Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. So today I wanted to speak about fear and purpose. And how did I get to that topic? Well, it's been a big thing in my life, actually, fear and purpose. One, I have always been afraid of not knowing what is next within my life, not knowing what am I going to do uh, in terms of career, in terms of job, in terms of what does the future hold. And I didn't have any of that planned. I really did not have any of that planned. And it was scary. It was scary. And how I got to the purpose is that God has a purpose for each of us. As believers in Christ, he has a purpose and a job for each of us. Some of us, it can be a lifelong journey trying to find it. Others, they just naturally walk right into it. And me, I had to look a little bit. I had, I had to look a little bit. Some people are still looking, and that's okay. As long as you have your eyes focused on the Lord, he will lead you right into your destiny. Fear and purpose is a very big thing in everybody's lives. So, I'll ask you this question, what is fear to you? Now to me, fear is many things. If you ask me what I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of big bodies of water because I cannot swim. I am afraid of bugs, my mom will tell you that. I do not like bugs. I do not like bees, I despise bees. I, I do not like bees, I won't say hate, but I do not like bees. But I'm not talking about those kind of fears today. I'm talking about the fears of not just the tangible things, but the things of the unknown. Fears like your insecurities, fears of not being able to measure up in whatever you're doing, whether it's your workplace, whether it's your ministry, whether it's just among your peers, just fear of not being able to measure up. The fear, like I have, of not knowing what your future holds. Those are all very real fears that we all go through, and it's very normal. And so I ask you that question, because everyone else is different. What is a fear to you that you may have dealt with in the past or that you are still dealing with? So I've kind of broken down fear into four little uh, categories that you can um, describe it. One, fear is crippling. Fear can give you a very crippling feeling. Have you ever been afraid of something? Like let's say public speaking. We've all had to do it in school. And if you are someone that's very quiet, you do not like speaking in front of crowds, I know at some point you've had to do a presentation, you had to speak, and you're just in shock. You're not moving, you're not speaking, you're just like, I, I, I don't know what to say, you're stuttering. It's a crippling feeling. That's what fear feels like. Number two. Fear is a lack of freedom. When you are afraid of something, you do not have the freedom to be yourself at all. For example, if let's say you've had a problem with somebody, if you know they're, they're gonna be at a certain place that you are going to, now your mind is not even on the freedom of being able to walk into that place and do what you need to do. But now it's, oh, that person's gonna be there, I don't wanna be there. This person's going here, I don't want to go there. You're not operating in freedom after that. Now it's just, oh, 
I'm going to think about this person. And just like that, that person has held you captive. Just like that, you're in bondage. It's so easy. Number three, fear is a doubt of security. Whenever you really fear something, subconsciously, it's kind of you telling yourself that, okay, this thing has power over me. This thing can hurt me. And I'm not very secure if this thing touches me. If it gets a hold of me, I'm not secure. You could even say it in a way, it's a little bit of a doubt. When you're afraid of something, it could really feel like it has power over you. And number four, fear is not of God. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Not at all. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. That's what he gave us. He didn't give us a, a spirit to just walk around and be afraid. If you know me, public speaking isn't my best thing. I'm getting better at it, and my leg is not shaking as, as I thought it would be. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting better. But God didn't call us to, to if, especially if we're proclaiming his name and we're representing the king, he did not call us to go out and speak on his name and be afraid about it, be timid about it. If we're going to speak about God, we have to speak with him with confidence. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Whenever you are afraid, put your focus back on Jesus. He'll never leave you alone. You are not alone. Sometimes physically we may not, we may be alone. We might not have the people or the support group that we might need around us. Sometimes that happens, but Jesus will never fail you. He'll never leave you alone. So I also ask, I also ask, what is your sense of purpose? Maybe some of you already know, maybe some of you are still finding it. But what is your purpose in life? And for me, I guess now I can get to tell you a little bit more about myself. For me, I never knew what my purpose was in life, actually. Um, I didn't have a very big music background, actually. Um, the only thing musical about me was my mom. She's always been singing. Uh, other than that, for me personally, I never had a music background. And I guess to cut the long story short, going back to when I was about 18, so last year of high school, I did not know what I wanted to do at all. Um, I knew for sure I did not want to work an office job because I felt like I would be bored. Uh, I did not want to work in the corporate world because I, I felt like I would be bored. Um, I know I did not want to do accounting because I do not like math at all. I, I just don't like math. I really did enjoy science. I really like science. I really like planets. I, I love that whole, uh, that's just a whole other thing. I really like that, but then I learned that you need to be good at math if you want to get into science. So I'm like, okay, I don't like science anymore. So I'm like, okay, I do not know what's next. I don't want to work a regular job the rest of my life coming out of high school. So I'm like, what do I do? And I, the idea just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, you know, what if I just start singing? 
I don't know if I can sing, but what if I just start singing and see what happens? And this is me not having any lick of knowledge if I can sing or not, but I'm like, there's only two things that can come from this. Either I become very successful, I get a lot of money and fame or whatever, and that's it, that's my career, it's paved, I'm good. Or I could fail, I leave it alone, but I have nothing to lose. I never invest in music, so I have nothing to lose if I fail, and then I just go back and work my regular job. So I'm like, okay, it's a shot worth taking. So I decided to go and pursue music. And I think God's first sign of correcting my, uh, my motives about it was my mom got on it very quickly. She's like, okay, I'm going to enroll you into a Christian college. And I'm like, okay. And I did that. And of course, at the beginning, I'm only 18, when I wanted to make music, I wanted to make music about what I'm feeling about everything that I, I'm going through in my life. Not going through much, but still. <laughs> uh, I, I had a very good life. I wanted to just write about the things that's on my heart. And I've always held that at the back of my mind. But I'm going to Christian college, and that's coming from a secular high school into a Christian college, and now the environment is different. Now all of my friends are Christian. And it was a much, it was still the best decision I ever could have made. And I'm so thankful that I did that. And now I'm going there and I'm learning everything from the ground up. I'm learning how to sing. That's where I learned how to play piano. That was 2014. I'm learning all of that from the ground up. And I have the best support group that I could ever have. I have friends that are believers that are around me. I, now I can count that all of my friends are believers. And... Slowly but surely, it was starting to give me more of an appreciation for music. At first, I just wanted music just to build a career, but now I started to appreciate music for the things that it can do, how it can move people, how it can inspire people. Now, I can't remember the exact date, but I did not like public speaking at that time, and I only just started singing. And my mom had taken me to a church, and she's like, okay, you want to sing? If you're going to sing, you're going to sing for God. First and foremost, you're going to sing for God. And she's very connected to churches. So she took us to a church. I cannot remember the church, but she took us to a church. And it was a pretty big service. And she's like, okay, if you're going to sing, you're going to sing beside me today. And I'm like, today? I didn't prepare anything. She's like, you're going to sing with me. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I can barely say hello to people on a stage at that point, let alone sing a song. But I'm like, okay. And we sang that morning, and it was just a completely different feeling when you're not even singing. At that point, you're ministering. It's a completely different feeling when you're singing to the Lord, when you're singing to his people, rather than singing for yourself, singing for the world. It was a completely different feeling that you just cannot compare it. And slowly, that was the seed that started to change everything that I was feeling, that started to change how I wanted to pursue music. Now, I'll fast forward a bit into last year when I just became a pastor. I fast forwarded a lot. I just became a pastor and it was like a, f a switch just flipped in me. It was completely organic. It was not forced to just happen. All of a sudden, I wanted to just let go 
of everything that I was holding on to in the past. Making music for myself, I had no interest in it anymore. Just listening to regular music on the radio, I don't have interest in it for it. And now it just, I don't know what happened, it just became to feel empty. That music just became empty to me. It gave me no feeling, anything, and I'm just like, I'd just rather not listen to this. And I had a conversation with God, and I told him, you know, Lord, I can see how you're working on my life right now. I can see that you're taking me places I did not plan for, that I did not see coming. But you're doing good in my life, and you're carrying me through. It could be better, but it could be a whole lot worse. And he's taking care of me. And I'm like, okay, God, now I'm going to completely surrender because I love music. I'm going to completely surrender whatever goals and ambitions I had for music. I'm going to completely surrender that. And from this day forward, anything that I write musically is going to be for you and for your people. And thank you. When I had that, when I had that revelation, that's when I truly felt a peace that I never felt before. All the times when I was writing music for myself, it felt cool, it felt good, but there was always something in the back of my mind like, this is not it. There's something more to this, but this is not it. This is not your destination. And when I completely let that go, and I told God that whatever I write now is for you and for your kingdom, it's for your people, all pressure just lifted off of my shoulders. All pressure just, just lifted from me. And that's when I began to find, okay, this is my purpose. I need to encourage people. I need to tell people about Jesus. And we all have different ways. We all have different interests in life. We all have our own hobbies. And God can use those hobbies for you to minister to the people around you within those hobbies. He can use you to be a minister within your workplace. Uh, whether it's in school, you can minister to your friends. Whether it's just people that you meet on your travel to wherever you're going. God can use you in any environment to talk to people. And I'm like, okay, I love music. Music will be my outlet to minister and tell people about Jesus. So for those of you who might not know what your purpose is or how to find it, I would say look at Ephesians 2.10. I found this verse and I'm like, okay, I think this is the most general you can say is the purpose for every believer in the Lord. This is all of our purposes. Ephesians 2.10, it says, instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. So it says, instead, we are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus to do good things. What does that mean, to do good things? Whatever we're going to do, we're going to do good things in his name. If we love cooking, if we have a restaurant, we're going to open up a Christian restaurant. We're feeding people, and at the same time, we're sharing the love of Jesus. If we love music, you're making music, you're making music about God. You're spreading his word through music. You're talking about Jesus. Whether it's in your workplace, talk about Jesus. When people are confiding in you, actually, I, yeah, it's, I had a coworker just this week, 
that was confiding in me just about how our upbringing and uh, just the things that she had to go through in life and how she would cope with that. And I would just listen. I would just let her speak. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's very cool. And I can see how it has shaped you into the person that you are today. And then she would ask me, like, you know, how did you become so, not timid, <laughs> but uh, the person that you are right now? And I'm like, it's only through Jesus. That was my moment to, to give him all the praise that he deserves in that moment. It's only because of Jesus that I've become who I am right now. It's because of his spirit, because of his Holy Spirit surrounding me that I'm able to operate in the way that I do. If it wasn't for Jesus, then I, would, I could easily act out more on how I'm feeling rather than what God wants me to do. And it's because of that Holy Spirit that I'm able to go through life and not react to things that you would see that might irritate you. I'm a very calm person. The worship team can tell you I'm a very easygoing person. <laughs> BJ knows. Probably too, probably too easygoing. Maybe. Amen. <laughs> but yeah, if you get to know me, I'm a very easygoing person. And it's, it's just because I think I just operate slower. But that's, that's just the spirit that God gave me. I have a very kind spirit. I like to listen. And, that's just, and people in the regular world, they see me and already they can kind of tell, you know, there's something different about him. A little backstory of, <laughs> that's a spirit of humility. And I got to thank God for that. It was about 2019 when I was kind of looking for jobs. That was, financially, that was a tough year for me. I was trying to figure things out. And it was the summer of 2019. And I had just got into like a background acting job. And if you know anything about that industry, then you know. It's, it's not a God first kind of place. But I needed some money and I was very quiet and I'm like, I just wanna get out of my shell a little bit. I think it'll be pretty cool. Let me try it out. And on a regular day, we're working about 10 to 14 hours. I'm sitting in a room with about maybe 100 to 200 other people my age, older, younger. And you're there for a long day. You have no one else to talk to but the people around you. And more than likely, not everybody is a believer. Not everyone worships the same God that we do. And I'm very quiet, and you know how I am. As the day goes on, we're working. I bring my humble spirit. I bring my timid spirit. <laughs> And I'm working, I'm very quiet, I'm very kind, I'm very easy to work with. And I remember one of the directors, they were talking to me. And they're like, you know, you're a really good kid. Like, you're very quiet. Everyone is, like, loud and talking to each other, people my age. And they're like, you're always just there sitting, just, you're either reading or writing something in your book. But you're very quiet. Like, I can tell. There's something about you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's... That's how God made me. That's, that's how Jesus made me. I'm just, that's what he gave me. And I'm happy like this. And he's like, I can see that. I, I, I can see there's something different about you amongst everybody here. I remember even a good friend there, he told me, 
you're a church boy, aren't you? <laughs> and we had no prior conversation about church. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you could see that. And, you know, like, just doing good things like that in the places that you are serving. Whether it's just being yourself, your God-given self, people will see that. People will see the Holy Spirit around you when you're operating in his fruits. So, like I said, how do you find your purpose? If you really don't know, like I said, your purpose is to be serving the Lord. It's to be worshiping our God. It's to be telling people about God. I would say if you're still unsure, take a look at Matthew 6, verse 33. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. If you are not sure what you want to do, it's okay. Focus first on God. Focus on his kingdom. What do you want to do for Jesus? How can I serve you? How can I serve you better? How can I give you more of me? Whether it's through music whether it's through doing the offering, whether it's doing the announcements, working with the kids, working with the young adults, how can I serve God better? Focus on him and his kingdom. He'll continue to lead you right into the path that you need to be. So today, the main message I want to take is from the book of Daniel. And naturally, I wanted to uh, talk about Daniel because my name is Daniel. And I figured, you know, why not? How can I become the best Daniel that I can be rather than looking at the original Daniel? So I took the month of January, uh, just my own personal Bible study, uh, to just read the book of Daniel from top to bottom and just really understand everything that he went through and how God used him in a place of fear and in a place of purpose. So my, where I'm going to be taking it from is from Daniel chapter 6, uh, verse 10 to 25, but I can read through it and you'll follow along. So to set the story of where we are, right now we're in the uh, reign of King Darius. And to Daniel's benefit, he is in King Darius's good favor. Darius has already seen how the Lord has worked for Daniel in the past. He's seen how the Lord has worked for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. So King Darius, he sees the God that Daniel serves. He understands. But there will always be people to rise up against you when you are following the Lord. Things will happen. Spirits will work against you. So just to set where we are, right now we're talking about King Darius and we have his chief administrators, we have his associates, we have the governors, all those people. And they're talking, they're trying to rise up against Daniel. They're trying to rise up against our God. So what are they going to do? They can't find any fault in Daniel. If you knew Daniel, he was a very upright person. He only followed the Lord. You can't find fault in him. You can't find problems with him. They did not know how do we bring him down, how do we stop him. So what they did is they went to King Darius and they wanted to issue a decree, issue a law, that if you are not serving so-and-so God, if you're not worshiping 
anyone else that you will be seen, you'll, you'll be taken into a custody and you'll be fed to lions. Basically, if you are worshiping anybody else other than King Darius and whatever they present you with, you're dead. Now, if we try and think of that in like today's age, that's scary. <laughs> doing what we're doing now, and if it was illegal, that's scary. And Daniel had to go through that. And there's places in the world right now where they have to go through that. And it's a scary thing. So now when I go down to verse 10, when Daniel learned that the documents had been signed, he went to his house. Now his upper room had open windows that faced Jerusalem. Daniel knelt down, prayed, and praised his God three times that day, just like he always did. Verse 11, just then these men, all ganged together, came upon Daniel, praying and seeking mercy from his God. They then went and talked to the king about the law. Your majesty, didn't you sign a law that for 30 days any person who prays to any god or human being besides you, your majesty, would be thrown into a pit of lions? That's how... That, that's how the serpent likes to work. They, they, they like to set you up and, and trap you and things like that. They try to make you fail. And it is scary. But if God has a purpose for you, he's going to help you see it through no matter what. You will see the victory. And in the end of it, God will get all the glory, all the honor and all the praise. He'll see you through it. The king replied, the decision is absolutely firm in accordance with the law of Media and Persia, which cannot be annulled. King Darius did not want to sign this law. He did not want to do it. Because he's seen Daniel. He's seen his spirit. He's seen the God that he serves. He can't find any fault in Daniel. So he doesn't want to sign this away because he knows Daniel is not going to serve him. He knows Daniel is going to serve him. So he doesn't want to sign that. There's no problem with Daniel, but people will work against you in life. If I scroll all the way down to verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and hurled him into the pit of lions. The king said to Daniel, your God, the one you serve so consistently, will rescue you. Even King Darius knew that Daniel doesn't just serve any God. He's not praying to an idol, but he's serving the one true living God. So even King Darius had to admit that he will come and save him in his time of fear. In verse 17, a single stone was brought and placed over the entrance to the pit. The king sealed it with his own ring and with those of his uh, princes so that Daniel's situation couldn't be changed. Verse 18, the king then went home to his palace and fasted throughout the night. No pleasures were brought to him, and he could not sleep. Could you imagine that? The amount of guilt he was probably feeling, the restlessness he was feeling. You've just put somebody that had no fault into a dangerous place. You've incriminated someone that has no fault, and you've placed them in a worse than jail. You know that this person has not done wrong to you. And yet, you still had to place them there because it's the law. 
that's going to bother you. And King Darius understands that Daniel is not serving a regular God. So he knows that God is going to show up for Daniel in this time where he needs him the most. Verse 19, at dawn, at the first sign of light, the king rose and rushed to the lion's pit. As he approached it, he called out to Daniel, worried, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, the one you serve so consistently, able to rescue from the lions? And before I go into verse 21, it's just the fact that King Darius went back to the pit a whole day later, and it's just the fact that he even thought about asking Daniel, are you okay? If I knew someone was thrown into a lion's pit, let alone 24 hours, but 20 minutes later, I'm not expecting to get a reply back if I'm talking to them. So it's just the fact that King Darius was able to go back a day later and ask, did, God, did your God rescue you? He knew instinctively that that's not how Daniel is going to go. So verse 21, then Daniel answered the king, long live the king. My God sent his messenger who shut the lion's mouths. They haven't touched me because I was judged innocent before my God. I haven't done anything wrong to you either, your majesty. And that's the thing about Daniel. While he's still very clearly against whatever is going on in his environment and whatever the laws may be, while he's still serving his God and that is against the laws, he's still going to respect the authority that has been placed onto him. God allowed those people to be in authority and to be in the place that they are for their set time. And with that set time, Daniel still respected them. He didn't have to follow them, but he respected them. So even he had to say, I haven't done anything wrong to you either, your majesty. Verse 23, the king was thrilled. He commanded that Daniel be brought up out of the pit and Daniel was lifted out. Not a scratch was found on him because he trusted in his God. Can you imagine that? Being in a pit with lions, let alone just seeing it, but to not be touched at all? It doesn't make any sense. You could have a cat and your cat would be all over you. You can have a dog that will be all over you. But to have a lion just completely leave you alone. Because Daniel was not alone. The king of kings and the lord of lords, he was there to shut those mouths of the lions. And he carried Daniel throughout that night. Verse 24, the king then ordered that the men who had accused Daniel be brought and thrown into the lion's pit, including their wives and their children. That is how God will rise you up above your fears, above your adversities, above your enemies. Now, hopefully, if, if you have any enemies, <laughs> that they're not going to be in a situation where they have to be thrown into a pit and nothing that gruesome. But God will rise you up above that. He will take you out of your, of your tribulation. Now, the people that were tossed in, 
they hadn't even reached the bottom of the pit before the lions already overpowered them, crushing all of their bones. And just like that, then the lions operated in their natural state and just defeated Daniel's enemies just like that because Daniel didn't do anything. That's how our God works. Verse 25, then King Darius wrote the following decree, and this is my favorite part in all of it. To all the people, nations, and languages inhabiting the entire earth, I wish you much peace. I now issue this command in every region of my kingdom, all people must fear and revere Daniel's God because he is the living God. God stands firm forever. Not yesterday, not just today, not tomorrow, but forever. His kingship is indestructible. And God's rule will last until the end of time. And just like that, Daniel was able to fulfill his purpose amongst the fear of being tossed in a lion's, in a lion's den. God would not let him fall and fail right there because he had a purpose for him. And within that purpose, God got all the glory. He got the victory. And just like that, King Darius, he had to, he had to change that law. Not to, if you're worshiping any other God but me, you're going to into the lion's pit, but no. Now, everybody is ordered and commanded to serve the same God that Daniel is serving. And just like that, God used Daniel to get his glory. In the end, he saw his victory amidst an incredible amount of fear. So, if I go all the way down to verse 28, just to close it. And so Daniel was made prosperous during the rule of Darius and during the rule of Cyrus the Persian. So I just say all of this to say, um, I would like to invite the team to come back up as well. I like to say all of this to say that, you know, God is using you. Even if you may not feel it right now, God is using you in so many ways that you don't even understand. And he has a purpose for all of you. It can be scary. Whether it's in a job, whether you might have a fear of moving on up because if you move up, sure, there's more pay, but there's more responsibilities, different people you might have to work with, different people you have to deal with, all these different personalities. That could be a fear that you have to go through whether it's a fear of going into just a foreign place. You like to stay in your safe zone, but now God is calling you into a place where this has nothing to do with me, but you're calling me here, and I have to operate here now. I don't know what I'm doing, but Lord, I'm trusting you because you're telling me to be here. That is scary. You're in a new place. And as we see with Daniel, he was brought into a new place. And through it all, God never forgot him. He never let him down. He never failed him. Even tossed into a lion's pit, looking at lions, looking right at him, God never failed him. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego literally tossed into a furnace. Who comes out of that? No one comes out of that. 
but there was a fourth one in the fire. And because of their faithfulness to God, he was faithful to them. He never let them down. It does not matter what your fear is. It does not matter what, what you feel like your stumbling block may be, whatever it is that's holding you back from walking in to what Lord, the Lord is telling you to walk into. He's not gonna let you fall. He's taken you through everything that you need to go through for a purpose. Some people, their, their road might be a straight road. For them, it's a lot of turns. And God is carrying you throughout all of that. If I can leave you with these two things before I close, it's be patient and trust in the Lord. That's one thing I had to just learn in finding my purpose and finding what I wanted to do. I had to just be patient and trust in him that he has me. He knows where I'm going. I only see the immediate picture. He sees the picture 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. He sees your life. You see today, but he sees your life. Be patient and he will walk you right in it. And if I can leave you with a verse before we close, James 1 verse 4, let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. In your season of being patient and waiting on the Lord, serving him, working for him, just know that your patience, when it's complete, you're going to be fully mature. You're going to be lacking nothing. And in that time of waiting, once you're, God is working on you, he's pruning you, and he's getting you ready for what your purpose is. When you're patient and you finally get in there, you're mature enough already to deal with whatever God is throwing at you. You're lacking nothing already. You're not going into your purpose with a timid spirit. You're not going into your purpose with a spirit of fear, but you're confident. You're bold in what you're doing because you know your God is coming through you. He's coming through for you. So today, I just wanted to close with a song called See a Victory. And as Pastor Brett said at the beginning, you know, to today, you know, he sees victory. And God is going to see the victory through all of us. You're going to see the victory in your life because of him. And I really like this song because it says the weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper. Daniel had weapons formed against him and they did not prosper. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had weapons formed against them. It did not prosper. David stood against King Goliath. Did not prosper. David was not built to fight him. Did not prosper. Whatever it is that you are going through, it will not prosper. No matter what the enemy might throw at you, it will not prosper. And in the end, God will use you so he gets all the glory. And you'll see a victory. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. 
For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.